up? What's going on? It's uh, it's Friday, everybody. It's Friday. It's Friday. I did that last Friday, and it just feels good now. <laughs> What's going on? Um, been a good week, I think. You know, I'm alive. Hopefully you're alive while you're listening to this. Um, we made it, everybody. It's the weekend. I don't think you should be so stoked about the weekend. You know, it's like, make every day, like, the one, you know? It doesn't have to be about Saturday and Sunday. And, oh, shit, it's Friday. We're going to throw down tonight. Throw down every night. And that doesn't mean... Uh, get wasted and party and get arrested just means like you know whatever it is your version of throwing down and getting shit done get it done feeling inspirational motivational um all right so thanks for listening to the pod Uh, i'm trying to crank out more of these lately it's been fun trying to get my workflow here take care of the pods in the morning or early in the day do the music after that. I still got to go to the gym. Yes, I'm making myself go to the gym today. It's been too long. <clears throat> as soon as I'm done with this, uh, these little intros and outros, I'm I'm out. I'm going to go pump some iron. Got to get the heart pumping blood. You got to feel good. You got to have some little bit of, I don't know, fortify your body, you know, and stop eating like shit. This is all, this is me. This is, I'm talking to myself out loud. Um, <laughs> but maybe you'll benefit from this. Uh, today I've got uh, Chris and Andrew from Talking Podcast. Um, this was our second attempt. I we had a call the other day, and I was supposed to have this episode up <clears throat> on Wednesday, but something happened with my gear, and there was this whole thing. And I was on the phone with, or on the email with the the company that made the gear, and like we're trying to fix it anyway. Uh, I think everything's good now. So um, we uh, they were nice enough to call back into the show, had another great conversation, and I feel like this one was even better than the last. So maybe it was all for the better. Um, and that's what you got to look at, people. You got to look at the positive, you know? Um, try to find the positive in every situation, and that, that's, that's what we did. And it turned out even better. So similar situation with my boy Wax. We had, well, I, I was supposed to talk to him one day. And everything was messing up and crazy, and he was super cool and called back the next morning, and we had a great, almost two-hour conversation. It was awesome. So, uh, you know, that's that's how life works, I guess. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, Tales episode number sixty-nine. Sixty-nine. There's nothing nothing suggestive about that at all. Um, and. I'm going to see if there's any voicemails in the mailbag afterwards, so stick around for that. All right, let's get into it. Tales from the Green Room, everybody. Welcome. Chris and Andrew, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? What's up, man? How's it going? What's going on, dude? Thanks for having us. Yeah, man, of course. Um, We are uh, trying this again because um, I had a... A, a fail the other day with one of my devices and we lost our entire pod from the other day so uh thank you guys for uh taking the time and calling back in and you know 
Hopefully no issues today, right? Oh, absolutely. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> right on. I was just listening to your uh, your episode with, with Greg. Cashed out. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's it nice. good work. What'd you think? It's awesome. I'm, I'm not done yet. I just had to take my daughter to, daughter to school, and so it was like kind of there and back, so I only got to hear about you know, 15, 20 minutes of it. But, right. uh, well, you're going to hear your name come up uh, a nice handful of times. Right on. Yeah, I, I heard uh, <laughs> heard it a couple times already, so that's rad. Yeah. <laughs> Greg's a good yeah, dude. Yeah. He, he is, man. He, he bailed us out, too, that week. We had a band, and it's okay. They'll come back on at some point. But they literally like asked us, hey, like we'd love to be on your show. We can only do this day. Can you do this day at this super early time? And we're like, all right. Fine. And then, like the morning of, they're like, "Hey, uh, sorry, it's not going to work out." And we're like, "Oh, cool. We just uh, all are at the studio yeah, now really, doing nothing." So we're like, "Hey, Greg, uh, we talked about it, but if you want to do it today instead of like a week, that'd be sick." And we're like, "Yeah, we're good." <laughs> <laughs> he, he ain't doing shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was he was so chill. Like probably the chillest guest we've had so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's great. He's he's super chill and good to talk to, and um, he's really funny. Definitely, um, and he makes pretty good music. Yeah, he, he makes great music, man. We, we've been writing songs together for years, and um, he's just—he always comes with with good stuff. He—I mean—he wrote all the lyrics for that song, Ross Vader, on our, our girls' record, and um, wow, you know, he just—he's just really good at—he's really good with the words. Right, that is that is tough for some of us. Yeah, Which yeah, it's, it's for me lately. Unfortunate it's if you're in a podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I just like. I feel like when I talk, like <clears throat> especially on the pod, like it's not pretty. Like I feel like I get my point across, but it's not pretty getting there. <laughs> it's a bumpy ride. Yeah. yeah, especially listening back, you're like, Ooh, you know, I probably could have said that a bit more eloquently. Yeah, it's too late now. <clears throat> so you guys are up to uh, how many episodes now? It's not not you're not even up to twenty yet, right? No, we're on, uh, Greg was 13, and then next week you'll be 14. Oh, wow. All right, 14. Um, so uh, so it's relatively new for you guys. I believe you've been doing it for a few months, right? That's what you told me before. Yeah, yeah. We actually just, um, I guess you could say, celebrated our three-month podcast anniversary. So <laughs> this <laughs> podcast anniversary. Yeah, and that's a mouthful, but I like it. Um, so uh, talking podcast, uh, it's available everywhere listen to podcasts uh what is the basis of the show um what what's uh, what, do you uh, get, what kind of guests are you gonna be having on well i guess the uh like the tagline of the show is a show about life music and everything in between so we kind of try to talk to creatives like not just musicians singer songwriters like we've had radio hosts producers stuff like that just people you know creative people in the music industry you know that's a loose term music industry just to talk to them learn how they got where they got, what they're doing, how they're doing it, if they have any tips for us or people listening, just kind of kind of what you're doing, but the opposite, where we it, we receive the advice more than we dish it out, <laughs> I'd say. Totally. And, and I like to think that we offer sort of a place for, because, you know, like, some, some there's some other podcasts out there, and they get, like, people who have been doing it for a long time. But what I think is interesting is, like, to talk to other people, like Andrew and I, who might be just starting out or only like a few years in, and obviously we have you coming down the pipeline, so I think that offers like some good contrast. But for the most part, we just talk to people who are like on that let's get started grind, and it's been really interesting to see how, you know, from person to person, 
who's being creative with their marketing, who's getting it out there in a different way than the next guy who, who are all at the same place. So it's, it's pretty educational. I think we have a good time doing it. And it's just, it's just fun to like, because we're not on tour right now. We're, we're trying to be on tour. So it's still a great way to like network and, and communicate with other artists while we're stuck in Poughkeepsie, New York, where nothing happens aside from a lot of rain lately. So. <laughs> no, it's, that's a great way to, to do it, man. This, this has become a very cool way of networking for myself. You know, just, um, I usually get people on the show that I know, you know, from the past, um, just cause it, you know, it's easier and it helps me kind of, it helps me ease into it, you know? Um, but I have spoken with, with guests that I've never met before. Um, and just kind of blindly messaged on Instagram or something and, um, was lucky enough to get them. And, uh, uh, I've had friends like pitch me people like, you know, send emails for me and they'll, you know, we'll kind of set it up that way. Um, but it, it is, it's a nice way to sort of grow the the network, you know, and um, grow your reach. And, and you're absolutely right about um, basically you guys are sitting there taking notes and I think that's, it's genius. It's brilliant. You know, um, it's a good way to learn. I even still learn. Yeah, man. I mean, one thing that I actually learned really quickly was we ran out of friends at about episode 12. I would say it was like episode <laughs> No more friends. <laughs> yeah. So after that, it's sort of like, okay, well, well, what did I learn from this? You, Like you just said, the Instagram DM is a very powerful thing. Yeah, I was honestly shocked at how, first, how many people got back to us, but also how quickly they got back to us. Like you right away, pretty much. Sick. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I know like social media isn't something new to like any of us, but right. this is a new capability. I've always heard people are like, "Yeah, man, you can talk to anyone in the world off social media," yeah, and I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, like there's no way <laughs> yeah. they like actually answer, but they do, and it's really cool when it works out." So I think that's like a, a little tip that I've gotten from this all, just just for anything in the creative field or even in the real world. If you want a job, maybe like you know, it's a hard getting that interview. Maybe shoot the person at that company an Instagram DM. Show them that you want to go the extra mile. Yes, because what's the worst that'll happen? They ignore it or they say no. So just go for it. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, what is it? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Yeah, Michael Scott said that, right? Yeah, I, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't really watched a ton of The Office. It's hilarious. I, just, I don't really watch a lot of TV, so... Uh-huh. All right, you're busy. But, uh, I wish I was too busy to watch TV. Yeah, yeah. No, I still I still <laughs> watch things, but I'm very picky about shows. And I can't sit there and like it's really hard to like find a show to watch. Like I got to get locked in and like once I get locked into a show, it's it's all over, but it's really hard for me to I don't I don't watch anything on television and so it's all like Netflix or uh you know. Oh yeah, TV dead. Yeah, TV's just <laughs> done. Have you seen Lost? Uh, dude, I, I watched the first few episodes of the first season when it was out, like what, like Oh four or something like that. And, yeah, um, yeah, 2004. yeah. And, um, I, it didn't, it just didn't keep me interested and I just never finished it. Honestly, I felt the same way. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for me, I was dating a girl who didn't let me stop watching after the first three episodes. And after the first season, I just had too many questions. I was just like, I have to find out what happens, whether I like <laughs> it or not. Like, I had to, I put myself through the turmoil and finished it. And then I still had a bunch of questions, but it was a good time. I had fun. Yeah, I've done that with shows where it's like, it feels like it's kind of dragging and I'm not super into it, but I'm like, I just, I got to know at least what happens. Like, it's come yeah. this far, you know? 
So exactly. I've invested too much time to not find out who is in charge of the island or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> too <yeah>. much. <laughs> Damn, dude, that, that, that kind of hurts me because, bro, I'm so locked into Lost that I'm watching it for a seventh time. Seventh time. And it, and it just keeps getting better. It's like it's like one of your favorite albums. It just keeps growing on you. <laughs> you yeah. always learn something new. Dude, yeah. that's that's great, man. I, it's 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 wonderful when you find a a good show or, or an album or something that just keeps you interested and wants you to come back for more. Like that's how I was with uh with you know obviously I, I watched I watched Dexter twice the yes. full thing. Yeah, watched well, that so good. great show. Um, and like I feel like I want to watch um. Breaking Bad again because it's been long enough where I've I've forgotten about a lot of stuff, um, but it, I remember feeling like so uh, anxious on a lot of those episodes, man. Especially like towards the last few seasons, last couple seasons. Like <laughs> I don't know if I want to feel like that again. You know, it's like it just puts you through this emotional absolutely thing, and you're just like, oh god, like yeah. So that that's funny. That's I feel like that's why I don't go back to it. That's, that's like the reason why I never started Game of Thrones because everybody was like, oh, dude, Game of Thrones is so good and you would love it. I'm like, yeah, maybe. But all I hear about is everybody keeps dying and I can't go through that. <laughs> like, yeah. All the, like you get attached to a character and then he's dead two episodes later. I'm just like, I can't. I can't yeah. That. I've had enough death in my life. So it's like it's hard for me to like want to put myself through that because that, that's the same thing. It was like Game exactly. of Thrones, Game of Thrones. I'm like, look at it. I'm, I'm sure it's amazing. Like I just I just can't get myself to, to I can't bring myself to watch it because like I keep hearing about people dying and stuff. I don't want to like put myself through that. It's the weirdest thing. It's just a fucking exactly. show, but you know, it, it definitely is a heart wrencher. I'll tell you that much <laughs> about it. Um, I'm, I'm super invested into that show right now, but that, that's the thing, man. I, I rewatch a lot of television. Um, I, I did a couple years in film school. So it's, it's when I say I'm super into lost, it's because like, of the shows that I once considered my favorite shows, when I go back and watch them, now it's like my slight education on film. They're just not, they don't hold up. There's so many <laughs> There's so many things I see that I'm like, oh no. You know, so Lost is one of the ones that still does it right. And so, it, it's tough, man. Don't learn about film if you like your favorite TV shows. <laughs> yeah, you found out how the sausage was made. Yeah, and it ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, uh, those special effects secrets are interesting. I, was, I saw something on, uh, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook or something the other day, uh, the behind the scenes of commercials, like, you know, when they dress up a cheeseburger, you know, oh, make it look yeah. all, all beautiful. And it's like, it's like motor oil and, you know, to make yep. it look shiny. And yeah, it's yeah, just, and like shaving cream for whipped cream kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, it's basically like a, like a piece of just one small piece of lettuce with a, a toothpick in it, like kind of so, sticking out just perfect. You know, it's not even a full thing of lettuce. Like it's just, they make it look all gorgeous, you know, very interesting. Hollywood's a scary place. You can't you can't trust anything you see. You really can't. I mean, I don't know if you've seen that Netflix show Love, Death, and Robots, but there's some CGI on there that I, if if I didn't know it was CGI going in, I would have probably not guessed it was CGI. It was it was too realistic, and that's kind of scary um, to me at least. I have not seen that. Um, that I've I've heard of it. Yeah, maybe I'll I'll, I'll check that out. It's pretty sweet. Every episode's like 15 minutes, so it's not a huge commitment. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's kind of like uh, I've seen a few episodes of Black Mirror. Yeah, it's like that. It's the director, David Fincher. It's like this series of short films it's that he's of, always had. And just, is it like the Twilight Zone kind of stuff? 
Yeah, I think I think it's a little more cheeky though. You can I would I would say it's like well yeah, like Twilight Zone where like there's not one conger, uh, wow, concurrent story, but uh, it's great because every episode is every episode is like animated differently slightly too, which is cool. It's just like a really cool anthology series. Oh okay, that's cool. <clears throat> um, so uh, you guys you guys are in a band as well. That we are. Yeah, it's called the Stash. The Stash, and you guys are doing the pop thing. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Um, We're putting out, we just put out a new song called Run Into Me. I saw and, that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like it. I think uh, people seem to be digging it. We've gotten a couple overseas comments, which, like, blew my mind, that there are people across, like, a couple oceans that are like, hey, I listen to your music, and it's cool. I'm like, wow, the internet is making my life awesome right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty wonderful time to be alive, man. This is you guys right here. Guys got good tunes, uh, good, good tones on that stuff, man. I like the, the sense. Thanks, man. That's all our producer, T. That's great, man. We also man. the keyboard player in our band. That's rad. So the keyboard player is uh, producing? Yeah, yeah. He, he goes by Sweet T on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, he, <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, dude. We um, it, it started off with me wanting a place to demo but having no money. So Tristan was like really cool. And he's like, yeah, just, just come over and we'll just, you know, hang out. And we'll just like, you know, we, we started off doing like once a month and I got to once a week and I'd be like, hey man, so like, you know, what do you think of this part? And he'd be like, if you want my honest opinion, we should do this. And slowly it just turned into like writing songs with him for my band. And then eventually I was just like, dude, you should probably just join the band because <laughs> it's like 50-50 at this point. You know, yeah. we, we probably had to ask him like, I don't know, eight or nine times before he was finally like, yeah, okay, fine. We're just like, please, like, just do it. Like, why, why wouldn't you? Because he had had his time a little, uh, you know, wasted in a sense with, with past bands. And he's, he's also trying to do the uh, home studio business thing. So sure. it, it, was, it, it was a little tough to get him on board, but I think it's worked out. And the songs seem to be only getting better. And it's so clutch having someone in your band who can produce, especially for the kind of music we're making. Yeah. yeah it's nice to be able, like, when you have an idea to just immediately go to the studio and get it down before being like, guys, I have this idea. We got to book a studio within the month and then get in there really soon before I forget and lose this creative juice. So it's nice to just drive 10 minutes down the road and be like, let's record. Yeah, totally. Cause, cause like you just said, losing that juice was something that I was struggling with for such a long time. You know, like you hear, and I'm sure you do this, like when you first write a song and I've actually stopped doing the iPhone uh, voice memo thing because I'm just so spoiled now with <laughs> going to the studio. But like when you write that iPhone memo, it's just you want an acoustic guitar but you hear the drums, you hear the bass, you hear some leads. How do you tell that to your bandmates just off of an iPhone memo? You know? It took a really long time before Tristan came along. It's <laughs> like, it's like there's only so many times you can say, trust me, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Or like, or try to explain it like, just do that God thing. And you're like, I don't, I don't know what those sounds mean to you. No, you got to do God. Yeah. Yeah. We are encountering a lot of that. So Tristan is pretty much like the saving grace slash, I would say, a huge reason as to why we were able to take so much steps in like the, the year that he's joined the band. Yeah. I would say him joining like legitimized our band in a way. Yeah. Well, it definitely made us realize a lot of what we were doing wrong and, and, and also gave us, I think like studio etiquette is like super important and just like not wasting your time in the studio. Cause in the past, like 
we'd always end up joking around with our engineer and like we're, we're spending that money, you know? So at this point, Tristan's like giving this time to the band. He doesn't have to, you know, he's just being nice enough to do it. So it's pretty cool to like just get down to business and like treat it like, like a real thing. So that's, <clears throat> have an engineer in your band if you can. It really helps, and it does change the game. I would say. Yeah, it's it's a big help when someone knows what they're doing, uh, knows how to work Pro Tools or Logic or whatever you're using, and just knows their way around a studio a little bit. And also, being a producer, um, you don't have to pay them. Probably, <laughs> so that's great. Um, at least not extra. For at that. least not extra. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so having as much in house as possible um, is. A great thing. Um, that's what I what I've been doing over the years has been like I just watch YouTube videos after YouTube videos and Lynda.com, just like taking courses online, like learning how to um, <clears throat> learning about EQ and, and compression and uh, just working on Pro Tools and, and Logic every day to like learn them and learn how to do things and learn the macros and all, all you know all the shortcuts and everything. Um, and uh, I've always been <clears throat> pretty savvy with editing um, things. I used to edit videos and things when we'd make videos. And um, so that kind of, it, that was the easy part for me. But uh, learning the tools, you know, in these, in these DAWs, um, that took the longest. And sort of understanding how to build a mix and things like that. That's like, if you have somebody in the band that can do that, it's really, <clears throat> it's really going to save you a lot of money and a lot of time. Yeah, it's just made everything so much faster. Like, we'd probably take a year to do something that only takes us, like, three months to do now, which is insane and awesome. Like, our manager will hit us up and be like, hey, this is what's going on, and we need this to happen. Like, all right. And then a week later, it's done, and it's not something we have to worry about all the time, which is really cool. That's wonderful. Yeah, this is yeah, a- and Go ahead. Yeah, you know, and it's just like one of those things where I think that we're not old by any means, but we're not certainly as young as we used to be. We're, we're, me and Andrew are both about 25. And uh, so it's just like super nice to know that like when when I dropped out of school again for the band, it wasn't going to take, you know, three years to maybe get to where we are now, which which by all means is just starting off. But it's good to be starting off now at this age as opposed to like, 28, 29, which is honestly where I think we we might have been if we would have even stayed in the fight that long if we didn't have Tristan. So. Yeah, plus that would have been like thousands of dollars also just like mm-hmm. invested. And then at that point, you're like, oh, is this still worth it? And then we get to that point, and then you're like, well, now I'm spent. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to get things done before you don't have energy left. <laughs> yeah, financially spent too on top of that, which yeah. I'm glad isn't really happening right now. So. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you all about spending money, thousands of dollars, <laughs> engineers and producers and studios over the years. Um, but uh, it's it's been great. Like 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 I said before, like um, getting to a point where you can have everything in house um, is 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 the goal, I think. Um, and now we pretty much do everything like on our own and. Like we'll go somewhere to do drums, um, but even now recently, um, I just set my my brother's place up with um, a bunch of gear. Uh, the band bought, bought a bunch of gear to take over there, and I got it all set up so he can record whenever he wants now with drums. Because uh, I can do everything here. I have an electronic kit. I got a nice Roland, but um, it's not a real kit. You know, you, you want a real kit, and like 
<clears throat> so I, I have a production studio here. I have everything I need to make whatever I want. Um, but for the big live drums, it's like we need to go somewhere else for that. And my brother has his kit set up down there in the basement. He's starting to get kind of treat the room and things. And, um, you know, so we're just we're slowly moving into being able to fully be able to do this on our own. Um, but until then, like our previous record, our, our current record, I should say, um, Detonate, we did at our friend uh, Mike Stevie's house down in Florida in Apopka in one of his bedrooms, had the drums set up. And he's he's a very great engineer, like really good. He's got great ear, knows logic, like the back of his hand. And um, and we just, we got the drums and, and the bass. And I was in the, I was in the uh, living room, like doing guitars on my interfaces and my laptop. And like, it was just a great workflow. And then we came home after that tour. We had like eight days to do this. And then I just, I sat here with, and did vocals, like sometimes with my daughter in my lap, you know, just like doing the vocals for the record and any extra guitar stuff or any other layers that I wanted to add. Um, it's just, it's awesome. And you have like, you can be up all hours of the night if you want working on it. And it's just, it's a good feeling, you know, to know that you're not on the clock. <clears throat> Yeah, man. I think one of the big things about us with with having Tristan, uh, you know, in the pop genre, we spoke about this a little bit on our on our, one of our previous calls. You know, it's very like you have to keep the, the people stimulated, especially when you're at where we're at, where you have there's there's a few people that are listening. Obviously, we we are going to work really hard to try and grow that number, but we have to keep those people engaged and try and keep getting new people with every song. So we have a schedule where we're going to be putting out a song a month. And to be honest with you, that wouldn't be feasible if we didn't have the in-house uh, infrastructure that we've been building. Yeah. So it's, it's absolutely essential. And like you said, it's also nice, like when you're in the studio to not know like, Oh man, this is going really well. And we're making, we're getting a lot done, but we only have 10 minutes left because we only paid for that. And we're not paying another thousand dollars just to finish this one part, you know, when we can do it tomorrow. So it's nice to be able to be like, all right, well, we'll just, if it takes another extra like 15, 20 minutes, whatever, then we'll just finish this part. So it's nice to know that as much as it's, you can go in whenever you want, you can also leave whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Back in the day, it was like, you know, we were struggling for, I remember our second album, it took two years to make and finally put out in 2006. And <clears throat> um, it was because, you know, we're trying to find the time for when our engineer has time you know, the guy we were working with, our producer at the time, um, find, he had to have the time and then we had to get everybody's schedules to line up because everybody's working or whatever. And, um, you know, so you're, you're working on like maybe two hours and, and it takes, you know, at the time it took 45 minutes to get there, you know, cause he lived down towards Baltimore. And then like, you know, you get in there, you're bullshitting and it just, next thing you know, you're recording for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And it's like, okay, I got a, you know, I, I got a gig. I got to take off. Can you guys come back, you know, next month on Tuesday at five o'clock? It's just, you know, being able now to like, like we're, we're transitioning to not having to go to a studio anymore. But when we do go to studios, we block the time. It's like, we'll be there for a week, two weeks, three weeks. You know, there's no like, Okay, four hours on Monday, you know, three hours on Friday, that kind of thing. So it's 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 a wonderful thing, right? Because God God forbid you schedule that one bit of studio time, and then something comes up, and then you can't do it, and then you don't record for like four months. <laughs> oh, that totally happened back then. It was it was awful, man. I, and I was like, I was I was chomping at the bit all the time. This was before the band was doing anything, any kind of business. It was like 
nobody's making money. They were like, <clears throat> the shows are kind of sporadic and it was weird. And we were playing anywhere and everywhere. And, um, you know, the, the crowds weren't as big and it's just, I was just chomping at the bit. I just wanted shit to happen and like make moves. And like, you're just kind of held down by like people that got hung over and didn't want to be there the next day and the studio and, and then schedules things get canceled. It was frustrating. And now it's like, I can just work whenever I want. You know, I have everything right here. Yeah, no, it sounds like, uh, that, that sounds like what we're working towards. And I think we're getting pretty close to it, which is definitely cool. Cause you know, like we said, it's a, we didn't pick an easy field. <laughs> not that, not that anything is easy in the entertainment industry. Um, but pop, I think especially is, has some of the most fickle elements in, in, in its nature, you know, where, where it's like, like very fair weather and, and whatnot. So, yeah. yeah, like you could, you could put out a song tomorrow that blows up for a month <clears throat> and then a month later people forget about it. Or, you know, like I would, I mean, I'm sure there's good money in it, but I wouldn't want to be one of those guys that their songs are more famous than I am, you know? I mean, I want people to know it's me. Here today, gone today. exactly yeah exactly that's the pop all the time world yeah it's uh you know unless you've got a writing team of you know 10 or 20 people that are just cranking them out and you're just in the studio just recording them you know um it's when you're an independent artist being being in the pop genre um i'd say is probably the pop genre is probably the most unforgiving out of all of them um you know because i feel like everything else is like in this whole reggae rock community that we've been in for forever and in the punk scene and the ska scene um, and the metal scene, like it becomes more of like a community in a way is I guess because pop by nature, by design, I mean the, the term pop popular, you know, it's all about right now, like what's hot right now. And if you're not staying on top of that, you know, you're going to fall behind and people are going to forget about you. Um, so, yeah, I commend you for being in this field, you know, this this genre, uh, and you know, just just stay creative and keep cranking them out. Um, you were telling me the other day about this. You have this, uh, you have this sort of plan to roll out a song a month for a while, just indefinitely. And I really like that approach, especially in 2019. Um, let's talk about that. Yeah, man. So that was actually something we were doing before we uh, caught the attention of our, our label right now. Um, we were putting out a song a month with a video because we, we found that content that moves, like, you know, visually is more appealing on, on, on Instagram and Facebook gets more engagements, which in turn did lead to more streams, I would say. Um, right now, our budget, we, we don't have a video coming out right away. We're just sort of like going to see which which few batch of songs from like every three months gets the video at the end of, of their, their cycle. But we plan on, you know, putting a song out consistently every, every month because a, every song of ours, I think from, from track to track has its own slight different personality. Uh, cause, cause we, you know, we never really expected to be in pop. Like, I don't know how much, you know, but before we were the stash, we were Christian Evanko in the stash. And before that, it was just my name. I was making these folk like, Bob Dylan-esque style, um, but with obviously my vocal, my vocal approach on it, like tracks, very bluesy, very, you know, like grassroots in its nature. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm sick of people talking over me while I'm playing shows. And it's not that my friends are being rude or people are being rude. It's just that you're the acoustic guy on a full band show. That's, that's what's going to happen. And so I was like, I need a band. So I hit up Andrew 
Andrew joined the band, he, he was able to play some bass. And so then it turned into a little less of like a folky thing and a little more of like an alternative rock. I'd say like slightly new wave, although we didn't really know what new wave was at the time. It, we, but we had like the flanger and like the chorus on all the guitars and all that. Um, and then, and then it was so, a weird hodgepodge of sound on stage. Yeah, I, I thought mean, it was really cool, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, we did like we had a song that was it sounded pretty grungy, and right at the end of that grunge song, we covered the first like minute of Rocky Like a Hurricane, which I don't think people were expecting, <laughs> but I thought it sounded pretty cool. Yeah, it went right perfectly into it, and and we would just so we actually got called a cover band one time. At this like show that we played in our hometown, we played like we opened up for this like uh, blood drive type festival thing, and the band that went on after us, they were like, "So you guys are cutting our set short for a fucking cover band?" Because <laughs> like, I guess we went over. We played one chorus. Played one chorus, man. But that's the thing. Like we were playing all these like shows with like you know uh, these younger bands, and I think our sound, as much as I loved it, it was a bit old fashioned. Because I'm like a huge classic rap guy. So then, flash forward, we told you about, we, I started going to the studio to write with Tristan. And he, he kind of helped modernize it and sort of like take out the parts that weren't going to translate with like a younger audience. But also, we figured out a way to keep some of that, that rock and roll edge. And, and so that's why, like, if you listen to the lyrics in our songs, like, they're, they're not traditional love songs. In fact, Run Into Me is a comeback song. It's sort of about getting dropped from our label back in the day, I was in this hardcore band and how much that hurt me at the age of like 20, you know, you get signed at 19 and you're like, this is it. It's finally happening. I've like put so much time into this all throughout high school. This is what I did in, in middle school, you know, and it didn't work out. So it's, I, I think we're approaching it from sort of like a, a different, a different angle. I hope at least we obviously have to keep our ear to the ground. Like you said, you know, you have to, it's weird. You have to work inside of what's happening now, but if you want to be something that's happening now, I think you have to simultaneously be able to push that away and do your own thing. So I, I think we try not to get too caught up in it. Obviously, like speaking about it right now might sound like I'm overanalyzing it, but I've actually never verbalized this before, so it's interesting yeah. to hear me say what I'm saying at the yeah. moment. Plus, uh, the one song I'm one thing is nice because you know when you're working towards doing an album. You're writing a whole bunch of songs. You usually don't write, you know, all 10 songs in like the same month or even close to that usually. So it's nice to be able to put one out a month because you feel different when you're writing each song. So you don't want to just clump them up all together and say, this is one feeling. Every month, you know, you put out one song that you feel one way because it's, it's been raining. So you put out like a slow piano ballad. It's the first month of summer. So we put out a nice upbeat summer jam that makes you want to drive your windows down. So it gives us a lot of freedom and also a great way to express ourselves with each song so that each one gets its moment. Yeah. I think that, I think the approach is brilliant. Um, you can sort of keep up with the times kind of like, uh, the way South park, you know, constantly they make their, their shows every week. So they're so up to date, you know, every time they put out a yeah, cartoon. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, I love that. I think, I feel like 2019, um, you know, it's not the beginning of the shift, obviously, but I think people are starting to realize that um, they need to change the way they do things, the way they approach things. Um, my band comes from the 90s, and you know, I started in 1995. I was 14 years old, and um, <clears throat> those went, the alternative of that time was rock bands, alternative rock, Smashing Pumpkins, 
you know, Green Day, Bush, Silverchair, like those were the bands that I was listening to back then. And, um, and that's sort of where it started. And then I found like the ska um, and the reggae with Goldfinger and Sublime and Real Big Fish. And, um, you know, and that's obviously 90s as well. And that's just sort of what we've been doing. We just do that. And over time, um, it, that became a less popular thing. I always say that like if it was 1996, my band would probably be huge right now. You know, we'd be crushing um, if, if we were able to get on the radio with these songs. But we're, you know, we, we never took a modern approach. We just never updated. And there was, you know, there's definitely like modern sounds and some of our newer stuff, especially the girls record. Um, but, um, you know, just the fact of being four dudes, guitar, drums, bass, keys, you know, I feel like it's not enough anymore these days. It's like you got to have, you know, nine people in the band that are all doing different things, horns and synth and like, you better not have a real drum kit. <laughs> you know? um, so that's just, it's interesting to think about it. Um, I, I, I mean, you can absolutely make a, have a lucrative career, you know, as, as a traditional like band, you know, still these, these days. But um, as far as like popular you know, music, it's, it's more dance and like synths and program stuff. And, um, and I feel like you guys are, you guys are right in there and, and you're, you're still a full band on stage, right? You're just, um, you just have these more, uh, synthy sounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, what, one thing that I, I kind of, I think personally pride myself on is that every song we write is either started with a piano progression or, or guitar progression. It's built very organically and, Obviously, we introduce percussive elements sometimes that aren't physically able to be played by a drummer on the recording, but live, our drummer Mikey, that we always make sure that it can translate to the kit one way or another. And also, like, we, we obviously have the synth because we're super into that right now. And, um, it's obviously what people are, are enjoying right now as well. But we, we don't, especially in, in some of the songs we'll be putting out a little later on in the year, we're, we're kind of, trying to less oversaturate the mix with electronic sounds and more so just have it be like, oh, there's only that one part in the song that couldn't be performed live. And that's only because we don't have like a sixth member just to play that extra keyboard part, you know? So, so I, I think we sound super electronic, but at the same time, I do think we also offer, and I hope we offer like an organic feel because that's, I definitely think it's important to have that human touch on any style of music. Yeah, and I think it's it's cool. We leave as much as you know our songs. Our songs are done and complete when we put them out. But I feel like we leave enough room for, uh, you know, if we have a cool idea for a live element that would only be for the live show, or you know, we leave a lot of room for our drummer to just kind of play whatever he wants during the show, as long as it's you know not something crazy. But you know, like so. Uh, on the recording, it's only whatever you're hearing, but then live, we can add whatever we want. We can add another guitar part. We can add whatever cool drum beat he thinks is going to sound cool on that part. You know, we can kind of do whatever we want live, which is really nice. Now for the section where we pay the bills. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, that's great. It's nice to have little Easter eggs and, and, uh, Nick, our, our bass player lately, has been big on moments, like creating moments 
for the show. Yeah. It's like it needs to be more than just getting up there and playing the songs. You know, like they they've heard the songs. You know, you got to give them some kind of show. I've seen the Foo Fighters, and they're obviously one of the greatest rock bands ever, and um, great live band. And they jam almost every song. Like the songs are like four minutes longer. You know, because they just kind of go into these jams um, and they change things up. And uh, I think that's great because you're so used to hearing like a song like uh, My Hero with the big drums and like the big rock chorus and stuff. But when they do it live, at least the, the times that I've seen them in the footage and stuff, they it's super stripped down and like acoustic and like it's just Dave for a while. Yeah. And the band barely chimes in, like, most of the song, you know? Um, and I think that's a great way to turn it around. Incubus did a, a rad version of their song, Redefine. Um, back in the 2000s, they would, for a while, they were doing... Um, they'd play that song, but they it was completely different. Like, it was just more like, I don't know, kind of uh, funky sort of... It just wasn't... It was like this full-on rock song on the record, on, on Science. I think it was the first track. Um, but live, they just completely... Like flipped it around. I thought that was so cool, you know. Yeah, that was just like uh, Jason Mraz has his live album, uh, Live on Earth, or I'm sure it's a much longer title than that. But that's all I remember right now. <laughs> and he has uh, the song that like starts it off is this one from uh, the album we sing, we dance, we steal things. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, on the album, it's like pretty, like you know, it's mostly just like light electronic synthy kind of stuff and like a little bit of drums in the background stuff like that. But then live, it's like this big band thing with like a horn section and the drummer's like keeping on this real sick groove the whole time. And I just like, I'd rather listen to that live album than the studio version of that song. Like the live album rips. Yeah. There was a, I remember when I was a kid, um, uh, Green Day would play. Uh, so you had that song, When I Come Around, and it was great on the record. But I loved how they did it at Woodstock and some of the live shows that I'd seen. Um, where it was just Billy for the first verse, and then it, it was just him just playing guitar and singing, and then uh, the band comes in on the pre-chorus and it's just nice drum fill right into the song. I thought that was really cool. It was an interesting way to do it, you know. So it's it's fun to to change it up for for your audience. You, like I said, they they've already heard the song, they know what to expect. You got to give them something that they they haven't seen or just you know some some, uh, some surprises. I'll say. Yeah, totally. And I think that, um, you know, we don't have any definite plans right now as far as performing. We're, we're sort of just trying to get this thing off the ground, raise awareness by just really playing the Internet and making sure that the song is, is, is equally as strong as the one before it, if not stronger from track to track. That's sort of our main focus right now um, with our team and all that. So that when we tour, it's, it's not a question of if it'll be worth our time. It, it, you know what I mean? We're just but, but we are keeping into consideration all these things, like you're saying, like, you know, um, how, how can we make the live show a thought process now so when it happens, it's not like, oh, shit, we have the show in three weeks, and we've just been so busy being online for the past year that we're not ready for it. So, yeah, we have we have a lot of really cool live ideas for specific songs. Like, while we're practicing them, we're like, oh, this would be really cool. Live, we could do this, or, like, the lights will do that. But right now, I don't think that we can play somewhere that will be able to do all the ideas we have right now. So we're yeah, simultaneously waiting for the right resources to be there. And also, you know, we need people to show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. true. Don't, don't wait too long. Like you got, you know, got, you got to get out there and, and just 
I don't know, test the waters or whatever, or get just kind of get going and, and work into that stuff. Because you'll think of stuff too, like while you're playing, like, oh, we should do this here, we should do that. You know, the you the experience you get on stage, you can't get that anywhere else. You can't buy that. You have to be up there physically doing it, you know? So uh, don't wait too long, you know, because I think you guys are going to sell yourself short in the end, you know? Right. We're definitely, we're definitely uh, looking out for, you know, good show and tour opportunities. But uh, we've just made the mistake of just being like, you know what? Like, look, our band, our friends want us to come out on tour. Like, it's playing shows. Let's just go rent a van and go to Florida and back. And it was a great time. And we played some really fun shows and stuff. But then when you get back, it's like, all right, we spent X amount of money on, you know, printing merch and the van and all this other stuff. And then you get back and it's like, well, now we're kind of exactly where we were when we left. But <laughs> we played 12 shows. <clears throat> yeah. it's, it's a DIY grind. It's tough. Um, where yeah. we're at right now, too, though, we kind of have to play places that have a sound system that can can make us sound good because so much of it is like you know running the the sounds that you hear and, and the recording through through our laptop. And if you want them to sound as crisp as they do through your speakers, it's, it's got to be somewhat of a decent venue. But you're right. Like I really do miss playing. Like I, I told you last time, I have cabin fever right now, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I miss it so much. But I, I hope that when we get to do it again it's it's going to be worth the wait yeah yeah i would um if you guys are gonna you know take all the the time to sort of build up to your your first like real shows um then i would start working on at least grabs grab a fellow like a friend like an engineer that that can do front of house and someone to come to your rehearsals and things and and learn the band and learn the sounds um, and start taking your own house guy somewhere everywhere, um, because you do put your faith in the front of house guy at the at the venues, and sometimes you, you know, it's a mixed bag. There's a lot of guys that don't give a shit about, you know, the the whole pissed off sound guy thing is a is a very real thing, and um, oh, yeah. we've had guys, you know, back in the day before we started bringing our own guy, um, we've had guys like just they'll set it up and they'll just walk away, like, and you know, you want them there the entire time. <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know, so you can't really depend on them. So we always make sure to have somebody out with us. But um, I would definitely like take the time to to maybe start scouting and pulling people in, trying them out and getting to learn the sound. True. Yeah. I mean, that that is something we're, we're talking about. Um, I, I think Tr- Tristan has actually in the past said that he'd, he'd want to just do it for us. Um, I don't know what that's like. I'm not really that kind of, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, how you can do that. He's and, in know, the band, line, right? Yeah. Well, I think we'd like to set a face before it on, on like the mixer or something. I don't really know. That's that's the thing we're toying with. So we are thinking about it. Maybe not quite the way you just said it, but that but, is some good. But that is true because there have been plenty of times where like you're on stage and you're vibing and you're looking at you and you're like, oh my God, we're killing it right now. We sound so good. Yes. And then you get off stage and you're like, dude, how'd it sound? And like, it was good, but like, I couldn't really hear the <laughs> yeah, vocals or like the drums were just so loud and you're like, oh. Yeah, because it's so crazy how different it sounds on stage than it does out in the crowd. Like it could be so drastic, and you have no idea. It's a completely different experience. Um, I've played shows. I've played shows where it, you know, it seems like we're rocking it, and then later you're at the merch table, and you're like, "Dude, I couldn't hear the guitar at all." Or like, I've had people yell at me from the stage, "Turn up your guitar!" or "Turn up your voice!" (laughs) Like stuff like that. You know, it's like I can't do anything. Um, (laughs) but uh, you know. But like I said, you you hope that the whoever you pick um, to run sound is going to be paying attention to those things, and the attention to detail is so important. I, I feel like a, a, a sound guy or girl um, 
is going to be an extension of the band and you need someone that that knows your sound. So I would suggest not using someone in the band because he's got to be on stage performing. It's not just set up a mix and you're good to go. There's there's a lot you, you have to be paying attention the whole time and you know you're going to sort of massage the mix as you go. Like when you go right off the top, it's not going to be right. They're going to you're going to be making adjustments and if someone's on stage, they're not going to know and it's just going to be what it is. So it's it'd be wise to have someone out front that knows the sound and and you know there's certain times when like there's a guitar solo coming or maybe a cool like uh, key solo or maybe the drums maybe you want to push those a little or maybe you want to have delay throws on on your vocals or something here and there like so someone needs to be out front taking care of that kind of stuff so just keep it in the back of your mind just like you know as you're building up to all this maybe start looking for a friend that you can bring out and you know learn and you can also um, venues will let you rent them out on off days and you can go on stage and have a full-on production day and you can do that for a couple days you know if you want to book the room out and sort of work the show out that way full crew and all true yeah and i guess also you know i kind of thought this uh, something i hadn't really thought of prior um i guess each room has its own sort of life and, and play in a sense so like you said maybe that mix you said at the top works for where you rehearsed but there might be you might get this weird sort of bounce back from like a wall in the back that you didn't get in the place yeah. you rehearsed so Plus, Dude, it's right. always, it always ends up being, you know, you practice, even sound check, it's like everything works. And then as soon as you step on stage and you start setting up and everyone's like, ready to go, someone's like, nope, hold on, something's wrong. You're like, how? <laughs> no one time. was on stage. Nothing yeah, was it, it happens and all the time. somehow, something went wrong. I don't understand. It happens all the time. And you need someone out there that, that can work fast, you know, because you don't have the time to, you're, you're trying to play the show, you know? So you need someone that can right. fix problems when they happen. And <clears throat> every room is different. Like you can't set up a mix, save it, you know, with digital mixtures these days, and then expect it to work in every room. Our our sound guys tune the room every show. They have a they have a couple songs that they know they know the the all the frequency responses, and they've been around rooms and stuff, different rooms, and they play the same songs every day when we go before sound check. They they because they hear how it sounds in the room. They hear how the like the low end frequencies might be getting muddy because the room is, you know, way too big or something, or 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 the ceiling's really high, or maybe the maybe the uh, there's a lot of windows and it's some shit bar and like the the highs are cutting way too too hard, you know, like, um, so you need to be able to adjust every single day, every show, with every room. So, um, you know, that's another great reason to have a guy that knows what he's doing, or girl. Plus, we've all been at that show where you're just standing there in the crowd and you're like, what is taking so long for this band to set up? And yeah. you have no idea what's going on. And you're just like, these guys kind of seem dumb. Like, they should have been started already. Yeah. And then they finally yeah. turn and you're like, all right, well, they better wow me. I've been standing here for 45 minutes. <laughs> you know what's great? You know what's great is uh, line checking in front of a crowd. Like, when it's like a bar that's like just sort of open. There's no, like, hard doors. It's just, it's just people already there hanging out. And you're up there, like, yeah. line checking at, like, four o'clock and and like the show's at like 10 or 11 <clears throat> and this I, this happened one time it was hilarious we, we were uh right where the stage was for some reason they had tables right in front of the stage and the drums i mean they're right there the kick drum is right in their faces you know about six feet away and like the uh donald's like hitting the kick drum or the snare or something it's just and you got to sit there and just be like just you know, on the, you got to hit it. 
and until yeah. the, your guy's ready to move to the next drum. And this girl out front, she's like, we get it. It works. We get it. You're a drummer. We're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Venues are going to make their money. Oh, so my dumb. God. Yeah. So, you know. Bar, bars do give some of the best tour stories. Like, whether they're good stories or bad stories, they're always funny stories. We've had we've had awful shows. We've had amazing shows at at you know dive bars. <clears throat> you like some sometimes these these rooms that have these super small stages with that can't fit us on the stage and like um, bad PA's and stuff. We've had some of the best shows. Sometimes you know we prefer like a nice stage, obviously with a good you know PA. But we play all over the place. We play all different types of rooms, and you know you can't always have the the good room and. Uh, you know, it's all about how you, how you, it's, it's, it's what you make of it. You know, it's your, your attitude, you know, <clears throat> sometimes we'll go and be like, ah, oh, great. This stage is super small. I'm gonna have a drum kit up my ass all night. And I'm going to trip over the, over the, the keyboard and stuff. Like, it's just, it is what it is. You have to do your best to put on the best show possible. And, um, you know, it's, it's sort of like you've got the gauntlet up there. You're sort of like, you know, try not to run into your bass player and, and smack people in the head with it. I've, I've worried a few times about like hitting people with my guitar sometimes, you know, because they're so close on these small stages. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can, it's all about trying to create intimacy and create an experience that is going to be fun and live and, and real. And you're going to mess up. Like I, I mess up every night, at least, you know, either forget the lyrics or, uh, fuck up a guitar solo or or something you know so it's donald will miss a, a snare hit or or whatever uh, sometimes like nick's in the middle of taking a drink of a, of a beer and donald starts the song and he's and he misses the first couple notes of the song you know it's just to me it's just it's live music it's it's supposed to be fucked up and i mean you should play as great as you can but it, it's supposed to be have its its weird moments and and i don't know it's flaws you know because we're real people yeah yeah on the first tour we did as a band we went everywhere you know we played this really really nice bar that had a really big room and a legit sound guy and then the room was empty but it also ended up being our highest paid gig of that tour which was really weird but then also on that tour we played like an abandoned building that didn't have insulation and like the walls weren't done but you know like 40 kids came out and they had a blast and I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't think we're allowed to be here, but I'm having a good time. So <laughs> you definitely, you see your fair share of highs and lows at these kinds of shows. But again, like you said, it's just a live element and just the atmosphere is why people show up to those like scary looking places to listen to live music because live music is like no other experience. Yeah, there's a, I took my dad to see um, Green Day in 2005 on the American Idiot Tour. It was their second time around. There was this huge world tour they were doing, and it was the second time that they were in the area, second leg, I guess. And um, so I had an extra ticket, and I called my dad. I'm like, yo, you want to go You want to go see Green Day? He's like, hell yeah, man. I would love to. My dad never got out of the house. And um, he, we we got there. We, he bought us a couple beers, and he knew every song. He didn't realize. You know, He told me later, he's like, on the drive home, he's like, I didn't realize like how many Green Day songs I know. Like, they just they played all the hits. I mean, they have so many songs, and um, he just he called me the next day. He's like, "I had the best time last night. Thank you so much for taking me to that." Um, it, it was like the the power of it. Like it, he just felt so uh, 
I don't know, it just affected him. It made him feel so good. It really, like, it's such a positive thing, man, live music. Yeah, like, I remember uh, Chris was going to go see Bob Seger and Jake Eilfan with his dad, and then his dad got her, and he's like, hey, you want to go? I was like, I mean, I don't really know. You know, I know, like, Hollywood Nights and stuff like that. Like the hits from Bob Seger and like the one big song Centerfold by Jay Giles. I was like, I don't know any of these songs, but you should probably take somebody else. Like, no, it's gonna be fun. And we go, and I didn't know like probably ninety percent of the songs that were played that night, but it was so good. And either way, it was a great time. You just see amazing musicians playing their instruments, you know, amazingly. The crowd is just going crazy. I have never seen a concert like a Bob Seger concert, like a crowd filled with. Besides me and Chris, I think the youngest person was like sixty years old. And that was crazy. <laughs> like you go to like you go to the public bathroom in between the bands and this old guy comes behind me in line to pee and he's like, I'm staying behind the young guy, he's gonna be quick. I'm like, Well, not gonna be quick now if you're all staring at me now, but <laughs> but back on point. Yeah, the live music it's, in, it's incredible. Even if you don't know the songs, like yeah, he your dad said he realized he knew more songs than he did, but like even when you don't know the song, as long as they're good at what they're doing. You're going to have a good time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nice to see um, a band that can sort of command the crowd. And I feel like you know, there's definitely nights where um, the the crowd is a lot less energy, and it's really tough to to get them. And sometimes, you know, I hate leaving the stage feeling like we didn't, you know, we didn't move them. And Sometimes I'll feel that, and but we'll have these amazing merch nights. We'll sell a ton of merch. Like they did have a great time. They just weren't exactly, you know, all uppity about it. And um, I feel like there's sort of a as much as um, as much as like it, it's it's about the crowd and and they paid to see you and everything and and they took the time to come support. I feel like there is like as a concert goer. Um, it is your time, but I feel like you should also give back to the band a little bit. Let them know that you're stoked. Like, let them know that you're happy to be there. Um, I mean, they obviously came out and, and took the time to do it and spent the money and stuff. So, and our crowd is a little older, so they're like, you know, late 20s, mid 30s. Um, so a lot of our fans have kids. You know, they probably got a babysitter. Um, you know, and it's a little for them to unwind. And maybe they don't feel like raging and throwing down. But um, it, it's... if. It's nice when they're like, if I'm like, hey, put your hands up, and then you know they put they put a hand up. If they, you know, it's just nice. I feel like it's a reciprocation. There's, you know, we're trying to give you energy. You know, just let us know you're into it, and we'll go we'll go harder. You know, right? It's just like it's just like when you can tell that you're talking to someone and they don't want to listen to what you're saying, and you're just like, well, you know what? I don't even want to finish my story now because you don't even seem interested. So yeah. it definitely goes a long way, and it's distracting when. It seems like people are not into what you're doing. Yeah, it, it it really starts to like affect you, especially if you have like a depressive type of personality. Like I've definitely like I'm a mostly positive person, I think, but um, I definitely get those moments where like, why are we even doing this? Well, who are, do these people even fucking care? You know, and, yeah, exactly. uh, and when you're on stage and you've been on, been on tour for you know six weeks and um, you know you're playing some weird town and, and the people just aren't into it and you're tired and you want you want to go home and I miss the kids and like it's just you know it's it's hard to like find the motivation you know but but then it's like i try to go i try to put myself in the in the mental state of like well you could be waiting tables again you could be you know bartending right. having people tell you their soup is cold and you got to run around you're getting getting in trouble because you're on myspace trying to answer back your fans you know like getting your phone privileges taken away and shit it's just um you know so i could be doing that it could be a lot worse you know right all about perspective it is it really is it's all about your attitude and 
Um, and when you're choosing a path like this, you have to be ready and, and you have to develop that thick skin. And it's, uh, I'm not saying you can't complain because I think, I feel like it's just like anything else where if you get start getting like, you can get cranky at whatever you're doing, even if it's something you love, you know, if it's not turning out the way you, you want it to, especially being a creator, like that kind of stuff really gets under my skin when I'm, I'm trying to make a song or, or, some, or draw a picture and it's not turning out the way I, I wanted it in my head. I just can't make it happen. Um, if I feel like the crowd isn't, isn't into the show and I'm, I'm trying to give it my all and put on a great, a good show. It's just, you know, it just, it, it gets into your skin and you got You have to really like, it's a fight and you have to learn to sort of, it t- it's a learning experience. You have to really work on yourself. Yeah. And it definitely helps when you have, uh, I mean, I feel like that has to be a lot harder as a solo artist than like when you're in a band, like I know there have been shows where like, either we're playing first. So like no one is like either not everyone is there, not everyone's paying attention or whatever. And like you look out in the crowd and you're kind of like, eh, it's kind of whatever. You're like, no one's really looking, but then you look to your left or something and your guitar player is looking at you and he's like, dude, we sound good. And you're like, dude, yeah, we do sound good. And then you just, you just have a good time. And then people, and then you look back and then people are interested because like, they're like, Oh wow, those guys are killing it up there. Yeah. So it, it definitely helps like having a band to keep your spirits up. It does. Yeah. yeah I think. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Uh, I think I think that's like the one big thing that well, there's there was many takeaways from like the few years of DIY touring before we we dropped my name and officially became like like a, a real group that everyone's an, an equal partner. But I think like the big thing was you know hey we already booked this tour and you know we spent the money on the van for three weeks and we knew it was DIY so let's just have fun. I think that's like you know we have that thick skin. We'll see um, as as things progress if we're able to keep keep that skin. But I think right now we um, we're, we're used to it, and we're, we're, we can have fun even if no one else is. And I think we can make people have fun, which is I think super important. And that's that's one of the aspects of DIY. All that money we we put into it, I think I think we did get a lot out of it. Maybe not up front, but yeah. I mean course. I think we've come a long way for a fucking cover. Band. <laughs> <laughs> that is the exact quote. That is what they said. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, of course you learn something. You, you you always take away something whether you realize it or not, and something that could, could rear its head later. Um, but you got experience, and you know what to do or what not to do next time. Or, um, you know, it's there's there's so much to take away from this stuff. And I think expectation is uh, huge. Like, you can't... I used to tell people, don't expect anything. Don't expect to get paid. Don't expect people to show up. Don't expect for people to love your band. Just go out there with a positive attitude and doing this thing that you love. Just go do it. And, you know, if all those things happen, that's great. But don't expect anything. Because if you go in there with high expectations, you're going to be disappointed. Especially if you're, like, concerned about money, you know, or or putting... You know, I had a guy come up to me once and he said, Hey, man, uh, how'd you guys get so big? How How'd you guys get... To where you are, and I'm like, well, uh, you know, you got to, <clears throat> you got to get out there. You got to start going on tour, and just um, you have to let people know you're coming, and the best you can on the socials, and go out and put on the best show possible, and and then you know start within a couple hours of your of your town, start playing cities within a couple hours, and then just start spreading it out as you go over the year. And he's just like, well, I don't want to play to like ten people. I'm like, fuck off, like just. Seriously, like that's not, 
This is not what it's about, dude. If you if you have that attitude, this isn't the right thing for you. You need to find something That's all else. I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, aside from those few shows, we're like, wow, I can't see my mom right now because there's so many other people here. <laughs> those are few yeah, and right. far between. Well, that's a great feeling. It, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Definitely well, want more it, of that. It's just like oh, Dave Grohl said, like, you have to, you can't just, pick up a guitar and be good, you have to suck with your friends in a garage for like a, a while, like a long while. You have to suck for a long time and then eventually you don't suck and people like you. I love that quote from him. That's such that's such great advice, man. That's such, yeah. like... Um, I was, he's one of the ghosts. I was going to say, like like Real Big Fish said, don't start a band. Yeah, so I think <laughs> Dave Grohl's quote is way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Save yourself the time and, and heartbreak. But uh, no, if, if you're going to do this, you have to do it wholeheartedly. It has to be something that you want to do. And everyone else involved in the band has to be the same. There can't be any one person that, that isn't feeling it like you are, because if they are, they're going to hold you back. And <clears throat> they have to be willing to put in the work. You all do. And you're going to play a lot of shows where not a lot of people are there, sometimes no one. And you're not going to get paid. And if you do get paid, it's not very well. You have to work up to this. There's a, there's a rite of passage. It's not just going to be insane. Um, now, there, uh, we were saying the other day, um, you know, we do live in an age where you can build a fan base online before you play one show. That's entirely possible these days. Um, <clears throat> you know, you just have to, I think, you have to just make sure that you're good at your socials, and you, you um, which at that point you probably are if you're going to get a million streams with no shows. Um, but uh, you have to let people know you're coming, and, and maybe you're going to sell out sell out the room on the first time, you know. But um, for for most most bands, it's all about getting out on the road and having the experience and building out out there, you know. <clears throat> Too true, man. Um. So uh, where can everybody find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so we are um, anywhere you can find, you know, anything these days, all across those DSPs, those digital streaming platforms, and social media, at the stash, NY. NY is in New York, because that's where we're from. <laughs> yeah, and for the podcast, we've also got socials at uh, Talkin' Podcast, no G, T-A-L-K-I-N Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that. And uh, we're everywhere you listen to podcasts, and we come out every Monday. Yeah, and you're actually next week's guest, so hopefully uh, people will come from here and go to there and enjoy the conversation. We got to pick your brain. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, everybody uh, go subscribe to their podcast, rate and review it, so it gets up in there in, the, <clears throat> in whatever category they're in there. And um, it just helps the show. You know, Send the link to your friends, all that fun stuff. Check them out online. On the Spotify's, uh, here's here's a little little snippet of something. You guys have the tones, man. Well, thank you, dude. That that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. This is this is. It's like familiar right off the top, you know. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you guys so much for coming on to the show and thanks for having me on your show. Everybody go listen to episode 14 on Monday because um, I'm on it. <clears throat> Hell yeah. And check out the stash and uh, yeah, man. Um, wish you guys luck and, uh, you know, just just keep keep working hard, you know. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Howie. We, we appreciate all the uh, the support and uh, and chatting with you lately. It's been great. So thank you. Yeah, of course, man. No worries. Let's Let's hang out next time I'm in the area. 
Absolutely. Yeah, Sounds good. Word. All right, you guys, you guys have a wonderful day. All right. So great to talk to those guys. Um, thank you, Andrew and Chris. Really appreciate you guys coming on the show, man. Um, all right, I've, I've got one uh, one voicemail today. One voicemail today. Uh, let's check out the mailbag. It's time for mailbag. It's time for mailbag. Okay, this one is from Holly. I love Holly. She's great. Uh, I haven't listened to this. I have no idea what she's going to say. Um, let's see what it is. I'm scared. Yo, Howie, it's Holly. So I'll ask a question. Do you have any um, advice or suggestions, maybe, or some concert etiquette that you could give to fans from your perception that you see on the stage of how people are acting? Because we've all been there. We've all been at shows and someone's being a D-bag. And I'm sure that you can see it from the stage. So maybe if you just... Tell some people how about some concert etiquette. Maybe they'll listen. Ah, wonderful question, Holly. And uh, I'm surprised it wasn't vulgar or sexually suggestive. Um, thank you for the for the voicemail, girl. I appreciate that. And that is a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of times I see on stage, um, not a lot of times, but sometimes, uh, you know, we try to put on shows that are, uh, and a message that's like positive and it's good time. Stop ringing phone. Stop it. Stop it. Um, this, is, this is why I put on Do Not Disturb. Uh, so we try to put on shows with a, with a positive message and just a good, good vibes. You know, like just we're all here to have a good time. There's no, you know, don't be a dick, right? And every now and then, you know, somebody's drinking too much or Somebody wants to be an asshole. Um, I have uh, stopped shows mid-song for people fighting, you know? Um, and I don't know what started the fight or anything like that, but it's just not cool. It's not, especially if you're towards the front when it's a packed house and people are trying to enjoy themselves. Um, it's not about you. Take that shit outside. You know, if you're having a problem tell the security guard or something like let's defuse this before it goes down. And if, if you want to, if you want to fight, go for it, but take that shit outside. Nobody wants to get caught up in your bullshit. Um, so I think that's very important, um, to just try to maintain a positive situation. And I think it is, uh, the duty of the entertainer on stage to, um, halt the show and call it out and make sure everyone's safe because, you know, there's there's some scary situations that have happened over the last couple of years at concerts, and, and it should be taken seriously. You never know, and, um, you know, we just want to make sure everybody's safe and having, and having a good time. Um, you know what I... This is more on, you know, what I see up front, something else, is when... Uh, it's, it's funny sometimes when you have someone in the front row or like a line of kids or whoever in the front row front row and they're not smiling they're not having a good time they just have their arms up on the barricade um and they're just like staring at you or staring at their phone <clears throat> like that happens a lot believe it or not um 
And it's like, why are you up there? Why don't you just let those people behind you that are raging and singing all the lyrics, why don't you let them stand up front? And then, you know, when we're done, claim your space again. Usually our fans are really cool. And, you know, it's it's obvious that you aren't having a good time and we are not the band you're here to see. So let the person behind you that's raging up front, you know, but, you know, that's not going to happen, right? Everybody's going to, everybody gets there early so they can get to the front and then they don't move. They, they stake their claim. That's fine. You know, I see. That's just more of a pet peeve, I guess, that I can do nothing about. <laughs> I just have to deal with it. I'll just, I'll compartmentalize it. I'll stuff it down. I'll never speak of it ever again. Uh, yeah, I guess that's um, really it. Oh, don't take out your dick and start pissing. How about that guy in Raleigh, North Carolina? How about not piss on people in the crowd? Yeah, that happened. Like like a few months ago. Um so yeah, don't don't piss on people and um don't just don't be a dick. Thanks again, Holly. Appreciate the question. Okay, okay. Chris and Andrew, thank you guys so much for coming on to this to the show. Um great conversation it's just it's nice to hear from uh, from young artists that are coming up and i love to hear the approach man everybody should have you know everybody has a different approach but um the fundamentals are the same work hard stay in touch with your audience especially in 2019 and just make music constantly and just put it out i love their whole approach about the uh the song a month thing and um i just think that's great check out their band the stash i'm gonna have links in the description um, listen to their podcast Talking Pod my episode is coming Monday uh, it's episode 14 so make sure you subscribe to their podcast and rate and review it for them uh, speaking of subscriptions uh, hit up my podcast if you haven't if you're a first time listener or maybe you've listened a few times just haven't hit that subscribe button yet uh, please do me a favor if you, if you would it would be I would really be grateful uh, subscribe to Tales from the Green Room leave a little a little comment rate review Five star ratings are great, um, but only if I'm worthy. If you only think only if you think I'm worthy, uh, I appreciate you listening, taking the time. Uh, it means a lot to me. This is a lot of fun for me. If you want to learn about supporting the podcast, you can go to talesfromthegreenroom.com and hit the support the podcast button. Um, follow me on Instagram at Howie Spangler. Uh, leave me a voicemail if you want to get on the show. Throw a shout out. I don't care. It doesn't have to be anything specific to the show. Just say what's up. I want to hear from you cool everybody have a wonderful weekend and uh we'll be back next week sales from the green room i'm howie spangler thank you